Hangovers take all the fun out of drinking. Not at the time, of course, but the morning after makes the night before seem like a distant memory. Obviously, we could and should drink less. But please, is there something we can do about the hangover? Is there any way to put our hangover on the chopping list? Episode 5, The Hangover. We all know about the adverse effects of a night out drinking they can carry over into the next day. The unpleasant symptoms of a hangover are as familiar to drinkers as the symptoms of the common cold. Feeling moody, lethargic, clumsy, headachy, nauseous, and sensitive to bright light and noise. It's classically portrayed in the movies as having bloodshot eyes, wearing dark sunglasses, and drinking endless cups of black coffee and bumping into things. This is not just because we have our sunglasses on inside and so can't see where we're going. In fact, all of our brain's functions go down when we're hungover, causing impaired performance, lapses in concentration, and errors of judgment. We may not have an ounce of alcohol left in our system, but accidents are significantly more likely to happen when we are hungover than when we are not. Some studies even show that driving with a hangover makes your driving just as impaired as if you had a blood alcohol level of 0.08%. And that's illegal. It's also bloody dangerous. So, maybe it is safer if we stayed in bed after all. But it's not just you who's having a bad day today. Roughly three out of every four people who drink to the point that they are drunk will have some degree of a hangover the next morning. But this also means that some lucky sods are spared, even if they drink themselves into a stupor. Conversely, some unfortunate people can get a hangover after only one or two glasses. What bad luck is that? Why some people have a bad hangover and others miraculously do not is one of life's great mysteries, right up there with who built the pyramids. The usual explanation is that some people must break down the alcohol they consume less efficiently or differently to other people, leading to the accumulation of toxic byproducts in our body that cause the displeasing symptoms associated with a hangover. Drink enough and we may well produce enough of these toxic chemicals to make us feel ill the next morning. But some people might rapidly make enough of them to feel sick even after a single glass. The problem with this theory, and it is a theory after all, is that by the time our hangover symptoms are at their worst, in other words, the next morning, all of the alcohol and all of its various chemical metabolites have completely left our body. So having a slow or fast metabolism can't and doesn't explain why some people are feeling fine and others are having a doozy. Another favourite theory is that hangovers are due to dehydration, and certainly that might be part of it. Alcohol interferes with the signals normally coming from our brain, telling the kidneys to conserve water and prevent it from being lost into the urine and flush down the toilet. By blocking the message, our kidneys instead allow water to spill over into the urine and our bladder, and this makes us pee much more with an alcoholic drink than one without alcohol, with the same amount of fluid we have drunk. Obviously, 
we normally pee more when we are drinking anything, simply because of the volume of water we're taking in. A typical beer, for example, is 96% water and about 4% alcohol, and this 4% is eventually turned into the same mass of water by our liver. Consequently, a glass of beer glass of water have about the same water content in the end. But over and above the amount that we drink, every alcoholic drink we have, the alcohol in it will cause us to lose about a half a cup more than if we drank the same volume of water. Have four drinks and we may well be down a litre. By the next morning our skin and our throat feels dry. Our eyes are sunken, our head and body ache just as if we got off a long-distance plane flight. In fact, many people describe the same hangover symptoms after travelling long distances on a plane, even if they haven't bothered the drinks cart. So if it's getting dry that's the problem with a hangover, drinking extra glasses of water or other non-alcoholic beverages during the night out might prevent dehydration the next morning. But sadly, only a very little most of the extra we'd try to drink to compensate for the booze will simply make us pee even more, and then we'd have to get up and go to the bathroom at night. Regardless, we still end up feeling dry, thirsty, and hungover the next morning. One innovative hangover cure is to use natural chemicals to make the kidney retain more fluid instead of alcohol causing us to pee it out. One of the most well-known is a chemical naturally found in licorice. Eating licorice doesn't work the morning after, by then it's too late. So if you don't mind munching on licorice between beers, it may be worth a shot. However, like all our favourite panaceas, take too much, and there's always a catch. With licorice, if you eat too much, your kidneys can retain so much fluid that your blood pressure goes up, or your ankles will swell. You also lose potassium, which is important for your overall health. Purveyors of the perfect hangover cure simply solve this problem by recommending people eat licorice throughout the evening and then finish the night with a glass of fresh juice, a handful of nuts, or a banana, all excellent sources of potassium. This complex hangover cure is often recommended also before long-distance flights for exactly the same reasons. Don't have to pee as much, as well as the inconvenience of having to get up, step over other people, and get into the cramped toilets. Another important contributor to our hangover is how poorly we have slept when we've been out drinking in the previous evening. This is not just because we get to bed late, although this doesn't help, but it's also because the alcohol itself can impact on how we sleep. Initially, the alcohol in grog is a sedative, hence the term groggy. Many people actually use a little alcohol in the evenings to help them get to sleep. This is commonly known as a nightcap, and it actually works to relax and sedate us, if this is what we want, especially for non-drinkers and people who don't normally drink too much or too often. Of course, large amounts of alcohol are enough to tranquilize a large elephant. But the problems occur after we fall asleep. It may seem we're completely out of it, but that is not the total purpose of sleep. We are also supposed to be actively dreaming, and too much alcohol suppresses dream sleep, and this is also known as REM sleep, as our eyes are often rapidly moving, as if we were watching a dream movie projected onto the inside of our eyelids. We all need REM sleep to feel refreshed in the morning, 
but the booze takes it away. At the same time, if we've been drinking, the non-dream, non-REM, most unconscious part of our sleep cycle is longer and deeper. This period of sleep is when our body is at its most relaxed and floppy. It's also the time we most often snore, as the muscles holding our airways open are also deeply relaxed. And this is why when we are drunk, we snore an awful lot more and end up sleeping on the sofa. Even as the excess alcohol wears off and disappears from our body, our sleep is further disrupted in the second half of the night. We are more likely to wake between our sleep cycles, find it harder to get back to sleep. By the time morning comes around, we may have been dead to the world all night, but we're still trying to catch up on the missed sleep from our booze-soaked night. Fortunately for us, our brain tries to make up for the lost dreams, so after a night out drinking, the last dream before we wake up can often be longer, more vivid, and more likely to be remembered. Unless, of course, that is, we wake up too early because our bladder is full, and then we miss the end of the movie and are left forever wondering what was going to happen next. Getting drunk also interferes with our body clock, producing a hungover state akin to jet lag. With jet lag, our body clock is out of alignment with the actual time in the place we've just landed. We may feel like it's night, but it's actually day, or vice versa. Something like this also happens in a hangover, and some researchers believe that they have similar origins. Consequently, desperate people use many of the same cures for both, including coffee, melatonin, and vigorous exercise. And of course, dark sunglasses. Actually, staying in the dark really does help the unpleasant sensation of having a hangover, and reduces the recovery time. So, don't fight it. Stay in bed. At least until the afternoon. But then get up, get some sunshine. Otherwise, you'll never sleep the following night. The repeatedly drunk often have many theories about their hangovers. One popular one is that the hangover is really a kind of drug withdrawal. After all, the unpleasant symptoms only start after the alcohol leaves our system. And you can't really be drunk and hungover at the same time, can you? Taking this impeccable logic to its obvious conclusion, like with any other kind of withdrawal, we must take the thing that we are missing, which in the case of a bad hangover means having another drink. This is the rough rationale for starting the morning with a drink. In Germany, this is known as the counter-beer. Counter as in counteract, rather than the counter over which it can be bought. In Scandinavia, it's justifiably called a repair beer. In Italy... It's called a ricciamino, but in the English-speaking world, it's known as taking the hair of the dog. Though your throat feels furry and you feel rather growly, this phrase has little to do with dogs. But its striking name probably originates from the weird idea that the hair of the dog that bit you could actually help heal the wound that it had just inflicted. So, if it was the booze that made you ill, it can just as easily make you well again. And it is perfectly true, if you're going into alcohol withdrawal, that taking more alcohol temporarily gets rid of the symptoms. However, alcohol withdrawal and a hangover are definitely not the same beast. Anyone can get a hangover, even after a single bout of drinking, whereas alcohol withdrawal only happens to chronic alcoholics. Of course, alcoholics can, and often do, have a hangover as well. 
making the hair of the dog a notable cure-all. But it really doesn't fix the hangover. Another favourite hangover theory says that it's actually something else in the drink, other than the alcohol, that really causes the problem. Some Russians swear that they never get a hangover drinking vodka. You'd expect that, really. Others claim that it's only red wine that's the problem, and not their drinking habit, of course. Other than pure water, every drink that we have is a complex mixture of chemicals that contribute to its flavour, aroma and appearance. These other things in our drink may also partly determine how these drinks affect our health, like the antioxidants in red wine. But mixed in with these flavours and aromas and other bits and things might be chemicals that explain how easily they cause a hangover. For example, some patrons protest that pure drinks like gin and vodka, because they have no colour, are less likely to cause a hangover than more complex brews like wine or whiskey that have visibly more chemicals. Another theory is that some drinks like brandy, bourbon and whiskey actually contain small amounts of methanol. Yes, that's right, methanol, that dangerous moonshine chemical that makes us sick and sends us blind. The problem with all these theories is that even 100% pure alcohol mixed with 100% pure water can still cause a hangover. So even if the chemicals were there and had some small role, it doesn't explain why our head is still pounding the next morning. The bottom line is that for many people, alcohol is a regular part of their lives. About two-thirds of all adults drink alcohol at least occasionally, two-thirds of whom will have at least one drink every week, mostly on the weekends. This means that most of us will get a hangover at one time or another, no matter what we prefer to drink. Alcohol is a test of self-control and self-awareness. For those who pass the test, the carrot is that alcohol can be one of life's shared pleasures, a source of domestic bliss. It's not something we want to or need to give up. But the stick is also real, and it's something that should remind us what we should really be doing with our health. Our hangover won't kill us, but the alcohol most certainly can. For more information about the hangover and other things that you can do for your longevity, please read The Longevity List by Merlin Thomas, published by Exile Press, available from all good bookstores and from exilepublishing.com. Thank you for listening.